on today's episode, we're going to talk all about the things that I would like to have known before I started getting all these chickens and now end up with a chicken village. So here are some things to think about before you run out and add to cart all those cute baby chicks. Hey y'all, I'm Mel and you are listening to Wilma the Wonder Hen. Now these are in no particular order, so don't kind of get stuck on number one, number two. Uh, This is more of the things that I have learned, the things that have come up over and over, um, things that I definitely want you to pay attention to. Maybe that's how I want to put it. Just put a little check mark beside these thoughts. Now, remember, I want you to have chickens. I want you to experience the sustainability you get with raising your own backyard chickens, those beautiful eggs. And if you raise chickens for meat and eggs, you can provide for your family and your community. But let's not forget the pure joy of just owning chickens. Chickens is like this new uh, pet category. I think you you see a lot more of a presence with chickens as pets. Um, people spend a lot of time naming them and pampering them and just loving them and snuggling them. And they do have great personalities. Every one of mine has a very unique personality and brings a unique perspective to the entire flock. Now with the influx of pet chickens, the sad part of it is that the veterinarian world hasn't caught up with that, in my opinion, and from hearing others. The lack of avian veterinarians or just local veterinarians that uh, would be willing to see a chicken, that would be willing to say, hey, I don't know a lot about poultry, but let's learn together or let's, you know, take that extra effort to really study up on poultry science so that they can be beneficial to these new set of pet chicken. And with that said, that kind of goes into number one, learn, 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 and learn some more. Be mindful where your information comes from. Educate yourself on basic chicken anatomy and illnesses Avian veterinarians, like I said, are hard to find. So if you have a problem that comes up, there is a huge chicken community that is willing to step in and kind of help out. But honestly, I I just want you to proceed with caution when it comes to where you get your advice. There are many good books that are on the market. Uh, Gail Damoreau, The Chicken Chick has a great book. Even Fresh Eggs Daily, Lisa Steele has a good book. And there's a few others that are out there. There's lots of Google sites that are for educational purposes. They are poultry science educational um, websites such as MerckVet.com, PoultryDMV.com. There's a whole bunch of them. I just want you to use caution when it comes to like Facebook groups and groups in general. Because just because your grandmother did it for 30 years doesn't mean it's correct. I'm not saying that grandma didn't know any better. Maybe that's all that they could do at that time. We have lots and lots of research available to all of us now. With the click of a few buttons, you can read up on research papers. And I understand a lot of people that it can be a challenge maybe to understand some of that. Uh, So that's when our community kind of steps in. Maybe we could... uh, post some of these studies together as a group and kind of go through it and help people explain what is written. 
in the research paper, not us telling you what uh, to do, but maybe explaining what the research paper is saying or article is saying on that particular subject, if that makes sense. And going back to that first one of learn, learn, learn about basic anatomy, uh, basic uh, physiology, types of illnesses that are quite common in your backyard chickens. But I want you to think hard about if you don't have access to a veterinarian and you're sick, your chicken does fall ill and it's something that you can't fix without medical intervention. Are you able to call that animal uh, to put it out of its suffering? So that is something that you should probably learn um, how to do the correct way in a humane way to in the suffering of that animal. Chicken math is real. You hear a lot of chicken keepers joke about chicken math, but it is not a joke because I am the queen of chicken math. I am grateful I have adequate space, but even at that point, it's not just about space anymore. It is about are you able to spend enough time with them to pick up on if something is wrong, you know, the labor of just keeping everything clean, and also the amount of money it costs to feed them and to house them, which means materials to keep up with maintenance. Uh, It can get pretty costly. And if you do not have a ample size coop and run, you're going to run into problems with spacing. A standard size chicken needs at least four foot, four feet square of room per bird inside the coop and eight feet in the run. Now, this is just a standard kind of number. This can vary depending on if you have extra large standard, extra large breeds. Some of the Jersey Giants and some of those Orpingtons are quite large. Uh, Maybe you have uh, Bantams. Of course, they take up smaller space. But it also depends on the breed and the temperament. Some do not do well in cramped spaces. And this is where bad behavior comes. You get feather picking, you get fighting, you get uh, bullying over the food, you get egg eating. I mean, it's just a, a variety of misbehaving going on. How would you feel crammed into a space with a whole bunch of people that you didn't like? Because some of these heifers just don't like each other. So be mindful of the amount of space that you actually have. Like realistically have. You can't pull up your house and build a coop there. So, And they are so fun and so exciting. It really can be dangerous when you just kind of let that go on. And you just cram as many as you can uh, into a coop that is way too small. Now, on the other hand, if you have an ample coop and you allow your birds to free range, uh, this could make a difference in the size of your run. But then obviously that will lead into other points that we're going to bring up here in a little bit. But if you choose a free range, that is definitely uh, your choice. We do a lot of free ranging here. But I am also very cautious because aerial predators are for real. They are really for real here, out here in the woods. They can be relentless, and we just had a hawk attack. Miss Sally, she is one of my old English game bird bantams. She is doing so much better. Luckily, I was standing right there. Even when you're free range and you're standing right there, you can't control all situations. 
Does that mean I'm not going to allow them back outside? Absolutely not. They need to be outside. They need to be chicken doing chicken things. But that is just us. However you do your flock management, that is up to you. Which brings us into the whole predator thing. Everything loves the taste of chicken. They are a prey animal and they are always on the lookout for an attack. It can be aerial. It can be on the ground. Loose dogs, uh, wildlife such as raccoons and possums. Yes, possums. I've had a possum try and kill one of my bantams. Uh, just all kinds of various. We have foxes here. Lots of different animals. And even local cats or feral cats. I've found a few wander up in my yard every now and then. All of these things are after your chicken. They're after a meal. And like last year with the H5N1, a lot of people uh, had to keep their chickens locked up, and a lot of people had behavior issues because their coop and run were not designed for their chickens to stay in their coop and run. They were they were designed to just let them out in free range, and then, you know, everyone goes up at night. And most of the time in the coop, if you have an adequate space of that four feet, they they are going to be okay at night. During the day, for hours upon hours on on end, they're not going to be all right in a small cramped area. So you, you have to find ways that are going to protect your chickens, especially your coop and your run. And that leads to the next point of social hierarchy. Let me tell you, the pecking order is wild. It is very complex. We're trying to figure out within the flock who is in charge. So who are they going to look to when a potential threat from the air or from the ground, the head of the flock will point out treats and, you know, where to find water. And they also will prevent or stop uh, bullying of others. Like if someone, two birds get in a fight, usually the top hen, top rooster will break that fight up. It kind of just keeps a balance within the flock. So to be at the top, you've got to dominate the rest of the flock. Now, Mr. Jangles, he is an excellent excellent top rooster he is the top of the pecking order i am right above him so he knows that i am in charge and then him and then everyone else now now he is not a iron fist ruler he he does break up the heifers when they start going at it especially hell chicken and butterball because they absolutely hate each other that is another thing you will see chickens that despise each other and you have no idea why now, if you've ever watched the mama hen raise baby chicks, mama hen will be the top, uh, at the top of the pecking order in that group, at that little relationship, and she will teach the baby chick boundaries, what her boundaries are. And this is just something that will help produce a healthy, um, flock. Now, that's just kind of the basics of the pecking order, but it, it is very, very complex. They have a lot of different vocal sounds they make to show each other. You, you don't even have to actually like get in a fist fight or a feather fight. They can just make a sound or they can do a look. They can point their head down. Just different ways. If you really spend a lot of time watching them, they do display these behaviors. And it's actually very fascinating. And to provide a healthy environment for your chickens, there is a level of animal husbandry that you need to stay on top of. Making sure their waters are nice and clean. They need clean, fresh water, especially during the summer. That water tends to evaporate quite frequently. 
Uh, so you need to be on top of keeping the ammonia down within their coops. Uh, this can lead to different respiratory issues. I mean, s- then stress and then, of course, egg production goes down. So many things can go into that. So you got to really think about getting on. I think it's easier to get on a schedule. Uh, and that way it is part of just your normal routine. Uh, this will also give you an opportunity to kind of keep your eyes on them like every day when you let them out, be mindful, look at them. Are they all coming out in a rush? Is somebody hiding in the corner? Is somebody staying by themselves? Are they puffed up? Are their wings down? These are all things that you can start to pick up on that if something is not right with them. And then this will all go back to the basic anatomy of chickens. You need to really read up on that, study it. Uh, it, it is definitely very interesting. I think it is. I'm kind of a nerd or a geek about it. But uh, there are a lot of free uh, resources on the internet. Just give you a basic anatomy of what your chicken is uh, made up of, where their lung sacs are, you know, how their digestive system works. All these things are important because the more you know, the more that you are going to be able to care for them. And don't be scared by that because there are different levels on the internet of things that you can read about. If you're really sciencey and geeky, uh, I do tend to like those types of articles and, and get more in depth with it. But they do have basic, just the basic anatomy of your chicken would be uh, helpful. This, uh, in case something does come up, you, you can figure out where on their body, you know, that problem may be. And knowledge is powerful. The more you know, the more you can, one, help your own flock, uh, and two, you can help someone else in your community. Chicken poop, chicken poop, chicken poop. They poop everywhere and on everything. Did you hear when I said everything? Everything. Now, if you have a compost pile and you cook and roast that uh, chicken poop for a good six months... Uh, you're going to have some incredible fertilizer the following year for your garden. While we're on the subject of poop, I think it would be beneficial uh, to actually look up um, normal chicken poop. There are a few great websites that have on display different types of poop. Uh, some poop that are is normal for chickens, is it does look awful sus, but... <laughs> It's a normal poop for them. So I think that is also a great, great learning tool. Uh, that is one that will help you during times that uh, your, sick and may- your chicken may be sick and their poop is a certain way. Uh, this knowledge is definitely something that can help you. And this will give you an idea of what is normal and what is not, even though it looks pretty gross <laughs> most of the time. Going off of our last uh, podcast, if you've not listened to that, you definitely need to go back and listen to that. We had Marissa King of King's Cox and the Mother Cluckers and Ray of COVID Cluckers. And we discussed uh, quite a bit about chicken or poultry nutrition or the lack of it and what can happen if we try to take matters under our own hands and we are not thinking it through. Listen, I'm all for being self-sustainable. You know, we like to bake bread. We like to can our own food here. We are all about, you know, getting back to the basics. But there are some things, unless you have a poultry and science degree in nutrition, it may not be a good idea just to throw some stuff together. 
and chicks, baby chicks, are going to need a different type of feed than a pullet. Uh, once that pullet starts laying eggs, uh, she is going to need a specific type of feed. And if you have game birds, like I have quail, my quail get a different type of feed. And all of that is based on their nutrition needs. So one is not going to have the same need as another. So it's just important to read up on that, read up on what uh, types of food that is best to feed. We're not going to name names of what you should feed. Uh, That is on you. That is your choice. But we just ask you to do research and then decide. um, Then you can decide what is best for your flock. Just be very careful. And I know it's chick season, like I said earlier. So... Please read up on what your baby chicks are going to need before you bring them home. You know, have all that brooder set up. And the brooder doesn't have to be elaborate and expensive. We've talked about this before. Something basic. There are lots of options with different varying um, of heat options. Uh, So I would definitely read up on that as well. We uh, prefer the brooder plates here. I definitely think they are a safer option. That's with that whole uh, modern technology and things that are advancing. But if you choose to use a heat lamp, just make sure you know the risk and do some research on how to set it up so that it would be less of a fire hazard or a risk to your baby chicks. And please be mindful when they're little, they need heat. I know they are so cute and uh, you just want to handle them all the time. And I'm not telling you what to do with your chicks. Obviously, you can do whatever. I am not the chick police. But I will say that they can chill very quickly. So try to keep them under that heat for as long as possible. Save all those cute photo shoots and Instagram-worthy pictures. Please just use common sense. Spend some time putting together a first aid kit for your chickens. More than likely, if you have other animals, you probably have a first aid kit for them. Uh, I honestly have more first aid kits, materials for my dogs, my cats, and my chickens than I do for myself. I may have a Band-Aid and some ointment. And that's about as far as it goes for my human first aid kit. But my chicken first aid kit and stuff for my dogs... It has its own gigantic tote. There are lots of people that show their first aid kits online. I know COVID Cluckers, I think she has one in her highlights. I know that Wilma the Wonder Hen, we have one, um, I think, maybe in one of our guides. I can't remember. I am uh, writing up a blog post pertaining to that. And uh, just to give you an idea, everybody's going to have something different. Uh it, it, it doesn't have to be the same name, especially if you live in other countries. You know, there's some things here that you, you have that we can't get and, you know, vice versa. And that first aid kit is going to come in handy, especially when it's just something smaller, you know, maybe an abrasion, a cut, maybe you got bumblefoot. Usually bumblefoot, if it's not too far gone, you can definitely treat that at home. Definitely not telling you not to take your chicken to the vet if that's, you know, what you want to do. I'm just saying some of these things you can do on your own at home. And it is really great to have, uh, you know, all of those supplies in one spot. I don't know if your flock's anything like mine. They are like on a death wish. They run into things. They 
I mean, they're just always looking somehow to hurt themselves so I can take them to the veterinarian. I don't know what their problem is. I, I don't think they understand I am not the money tree. I think my last point, it definitely is a personal thing. It is a personal <laughs> problem that I have run into. It is taking vacations. Uh, yeah, it is being rough. I guess this is could apply to anyone who has animals. Um, you can board your dogs or your cats. It's a little harder when you have livestock or pet chickens or any other livestock that you own on your property. Going on a vacation is probably one, not something I can afford anyways. Two is who is going to watch my flock and my animals. Now, I will say Rob the Builder, that's how we have to do it. If we're going to go somewhere to see our family or a friend or something, we have to go one at a time. We can't go together. Unless you can find you a really good farmhand that can come in and pick up in a larger scale operation, um, maybe if you have just a small flock, you could definitely find a neighbor or maybe a cousin or friend or whatever, a family member to come in and kind of check on them every day and feed them. So, but that also, you know, you have to... It's really hard to leave them in someone else's care. Even Daddy, even Rob the Builder or Daddy Rob, we call him, he uh, does a fantastic job. He makes sure they are safe and they have food and water. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> he doesn't, um, you know, ask them all the questions that I do. You know, like, are y'all getting along today? Is there anything I can get you? You know, are you feeling fine? You look feverish to me. You know, tell me where it hurts. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding, but not really. So just making sure you have someone, if you're going to go away and live your life like a normal human being and not be stuck here all the time, then I would look for a farmhand that you can trust that can come in and take your place temporarily. And as a bonus to this podcast of things I wish I had known is that they will literally break your heart. Who knew those tiny fluffy poop machines would steal your heart and break your heart um, to see them go? It is tragic. It's tragic. It hurts so bad uh, to let them go. I mean, typically chickens, if you lead, read up on the, on the statistics, chickens can live eight to 12 years. My oldest chicken was Coco. She was eight and a half years old. Um, she ended up getting EYP and passing on. So she did have good stock. And that's another thing, you know, some of these sex links that you get because you can't have roosters, uh, they end up being seniors at a very early age. So I would also throw in there, you know, be cautious of where you get your birds from. Uh, some of the local um, breeders, uh, I think a lot of the heritage breeds, those are more who tend to live a longer life. They are bred more for quality and not quantity. I will add in the show notes uh, some of those places that you can uh, look for heritage breeds. Um I know there are places on Google that you can look up for local breeders, uh, depending on what type of chicken that you're looking for. Now, these are just a few things that came to my mind this week. Um, there are so many more in my brain, but that's going to be it for now. 
We appreciate you. We thank you for all those who tune in and listen. Uh, We appreciate you on our Instagram and on our TikTok. We are also on Pinterest. We do have a YouTube channel. It is not anything exciting. We, um, we've just been slacking in that department. Uh, We are definitely a one woman show over here. If you don't include all these heifers, and uh, we are grateful for everyone in our chicken community. We are grateful for everyone that even leaves a comment or sends us a message. And we do all this because we want you to be informed. We want you to succeed. We want you to grow in your knowledge. And then, therefore, the community, uh, we it becomes stronger. And then we can just have a trickle-down effect and help others be the best chicken parents that they can be. So that's it for now, y'all. Bye now.